podcast. I'm Victor and like you already know, on this podcast we discuss the lived experiences of Nigerians in the diaspora. Like every other episode, I always have a guest and on this episode I have a beautiful lady who is my guest for this episode. So I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi everyone, my name is Ella. I am 23 years old and I'm studying software engineering and I currently live in Germany. Yeah. Alright, nice to have you here, Ella. Thank you, finally. <laughs> finally, yes, yeah. because we talked about this like two or three months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But of course, you were writing your exams at the time, yeah. so we had to take time, and finally we are doing this. Yeah. So, Ella and I met in, um, at the bus station. Yeah, the bus station here. Yes, yes, we met at the bus station, and we exchanged contacts, and then we've been in touch ever yeah. since. So, Ella, how have you been? What have you been up to? What's been going on with your life? Currently? Yes. <laughs> well, um, not much is going on. Mm-hmm. I think my life is boring, aside the fact that I'm a student. Mm-hmm. I don't really do much. I mean, sometimes I meet up with my friends and family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've been up to much lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's typical. Especially during the academic session, you just have to focus on school. Yeah. Because most of the times, the way the school system runs here, you have never get chance yeah. to do any of that. You have thing. to be like on your ten toes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to describe yeah. it. You have to be on your ten toes. <laughs> so, how did your journey to Germany start? Well, I came here in November 2015. Okay. I came on a family visa, so okay. I came with my siblings. And, yeah, my dad basically um, did the whole visa thing for us. It took, I think, two years for us to, as from the um, from the moment he said that, about it, yeah, yeah, so it took around two years for us to actually get the visa. Yeah, get the visa. It was very smooth. We just had to go to the consulate, to the German consulate yeah. in Nigeria. We did the interview. I was asked some questions, which I've actually forgotten about the imagine. questions I was asked. But one question I still remember was. Um, she was asking me how I intend to learn German when I come here yeah. and I, I I can't even remember what I answered to that question but yeah, that's the only question I remember and I also remember that we had to do DNA tests okay. to confirm that your father is yeah. indeed your father yeah, and I don't know, I think German I, I think the German consulate is the only consulate that does this because I haven't had it from other people do you know I'm shocked? why are you shocked? Because, you know you've never mentioned this to me and I've never heard it before I think that's the standard for so like what if it's the German a child? I think there's a different documentation yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a different documentation for it. But I, I personally think it's why, to be honest. Because, it is I mean, I've had stories of people only finding out through that process that they actually know the father of the kids. But I think German, German consulates are the only ones that do this. I've never had it from people going to the US or the UK. Yeah. 
I mean, you can see my mouth has been open since you said it. Really? Because <laughs> I know the embassies ask very weird things. Mm-hmm. When I went to Austria, they mm-hmm. asked us for proof of single. Is it singlehood? I can't remember how they phrased it. But basically, a certificate that proves that you are single. This is me. I mean, when I saw it, I was like, definitely this is not going to be a compulsory thing. But of course, I, I started asking around. Mm-hmm. I went to Ireland. I was seeking information about, you mm-hmm. know, anyone who has done the process to be sure it's a requirement. Yeah. And indeed, it was a requirement. Yeah, some of the requirements are How do I ridiculous. get a certificate to just confirm that I'm a single person? <laughs> you know how I eventually got it? How? I went to the courts. I had to, you have to get it from the court. I went to mm-hmm. the high court. And the person I spoke, I met at the high court didn't Seems surprised. It's the way no. you have to, I'm like, ah. <laughs> definitely people come together yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the weirdest map wow. I've had to do in terms of visa. Now you're talking about doing a DNA, DNA test. test. Yeah, that one. We also did that one, like DNA test. Yeah, um, we came here November 2015. Okay. And to be honest, I think I've forgotten most of the things that happened. I can imagine. But I remember that when we came, it was a very cold day. It was really, really cold. And we got home. I was very tired. To be honest, <laughs> I'm trying to recall, like, just, yeah. you know, little things that happened then. And then I think the next thing we did was, um, for my siblings, they had to register in schools. But for me... And since I already had my YA, yeah. and that's one thing I did, like before I came, I think months before I came, I was already researching about how to go to uni, how is the educational system. Yeah. So I was already on that mindset of, as soon as I come, language, start, I just have to like do on that process, part. Yeah. I mean, I had people telling me to go through the normal education route here, like go back to their secondary school. But I I already had my wayek, so yeah, I so there was knew, no need for that too. So to, I I said to myself, well, there there was no need for that. That I think it's better for me to just follow the process if I already have my wayek. So I learned the language from two fifteen to two seventeen. That was two years, and then afterwards I had to start the process of like applying for schools, like going to uni. So I had to do A levels again. I did that one for like one point five years. Okay. And afterwards I started studying. That's basically what I did. Because if you already have your Wayek, you have to just do like the A levels. Yeah. And then you can start studying afterwards. But if I didn't do the A levels and just decided to go back to the secondary school, it would have taken a while. Just taken longer. Yeah, for me to Start studying, yeah. Basically, that's what happened. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Okay, and uh, another interesting thing you mentioned was how long it took for the whole process. You said two years. You know, when I was planning to travel, I remember reading somewhere because I usually when I want to do anything, I start mm-hmm. doing research. So I was trying to understand how long it was going to take me on a norm to be able to process my visa. And I remember reading from somewhere that it takes like a minimum of eighteen months to travel from. Whenever you make the decision to travel, yeah, at the time you yeah. travel, it takes a minimum of 18 months. Yeah. And this writer, I remember the writer was a foreigner. So I'm think, I, I remember sitting down to think that if that was the case from a foreign person perspective, that means from an Africans, it might take longer time. Yeah, yeah. And I know I have friends who took three years. 
Even now, it takes longer because there are more people trying to yeah, travel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. So you've already captured how you came here and how you had to go through the school system. But I'm curious. Up until the time you got to know that you're planning to travel, mm -hmm. was that something you wanted to do? Me like especially because your father was not always around, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So was it something you were hoping to, or maybe at some point I was going to go and join my father, or was it after you were told you have to travel that you started thinking about it? It was afterwards. Okay. Like it was never really spoken about. I mean, my dad has always talked about like he wanted us to go to uni abroad. But aside that, it wasn't really a thing of everyone is leaving Nigeria. It was a thing of, oh, you might study abroad. I wasn't even thinking about it. Like, it was just from the moment he said, okay, I'm going to bring you guys here. That was when it started becoming reality for me that, oh, I'm actually going to leave this place someday. Yeah. So when you got to learn about it, how did it feel for you? I mean, that, I mean okay. for for the average Nigerian, it's you going excited. to. I was excited. I was very very excited. I started researching about the whole country, but I was so much focused on the educational aspect yeah. and the language. That was two things I mostly researched on. To be fair, I was very 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 excited about living. To be honest, <laughs> I was very excited. But I imagine that being that you are young, you could have been considering your friends. Was that if, if anything you considered at any point? Your relationship with your friends, how you yeah, miss them? Yeah, to be fair, like, I'm someone that I didn't have a lot of friends back then. Mm -hmm. And even now, I still don't. I'm just someone that, I don't know. Reserved? I, yeah. So, my friends, I'm not going to lie, you know this Nigerian thing where if you want to leave Nigeria, you just keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> my mom forced us to do exactly the same thing. Okay. So, I didn't tell them until it was, I got the visa, that was when I was like, yeah, I'm actually leaving. Like, until I got the visa, I didn't tell them. So, when I got the visa, I got the visa, I think, in... July 2.15 and we left Nigeria in November 2.15 so um, when I got the visa was when I started telling them and even my mom was against me telling them and at that then, time she yeah. wanted them to know when I left Nigeria okay <laughs> <laughs> but I had to tell them because I just you respected like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I had to tell them that oh I'm actually leaving Nigeria do you really do your mom exactly explain why she didn't want you to tell them village people <laughs> Really, she said something like that. Yeah, something like that. She said something along the line of, "Oh, you know, you don't want that. You don't know what people's intentions are." But I, I never really believed in stuff. Do like you? That. I hear that on Twitter. People saying village people. That yeah, and they will tell you. But you know, it never sounded real to me. It's it's, it's never sounded real to me. I mean, it's not because I. I mean, I don't exactly believe in jazz, but even if I did. I wouldn't have thought that's enough reason to protect what I'm doing for my friends. But that, obviously when I was yeah. traveling, I didn't go and announce I was traveling. Mm -hmm. Till now, I have people that didn't know I have, I'm tra I've traveled. Mm -hmm. But it's the fact that the people that matter to me, the people I know that I was going to miss, all of them knew, mm -hmm. see, I'm working on traveling, I've said considering school, even when I met someone and it was it felt as if we were going to start a relationship, I was like, this will not happen because... I am planning to do this. So anybody that I come across that I know I'm going to get close to, 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 to a certain way, I let them know once I eventually traveled. There was never a part of my 
mind where I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to tell anybody because village people. So when I see it on Twitter, I'm always like, village people? Yeah. Some of these people are your friends. Yeah, like, honestly, personally, I don't think it's right. I, I think it's morally wrong to not tell your friend that you are traveling and them having to find out on your social traveled. media. It's rude. <laughs> it's, it's very rude. And disrespectful. And, and disrespectful. And the fact that people want, like, Nigerians who do that, they try to defend it like, yeah. oh, village people. I'm like... <laughs> okay, I mean, let's even say village people. Now you have your visa. The least you could do is Tell them. see brother, sister, mm-hmm. I'm traveling on social and so dates. I mean, I, my friends drove me to the airport. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't drive practically, mm-hmm. but they were with me. There were supposed to be like, three of them that were supposed to take me to the airport. One of them was sick. Mm-hmm. So two of them, actually four of them, to be honest, mm-hmm. one was sick, one had an appointment that he couldn't okay. miss that came up on that day. So I had two of my friends with me in the Uber that drove me to the airport. And that's because this is something we were doing together. Yeah. I wanted to travel. I told them I'm, I'm looking towards mm-hmm. today's. I got admission. Now I have an admission. So this is what I'm doing next. Mm-hmm. So I was bringing them along. Yeah. I, I think I, that's the right way to do it. Actually, I had a list of people I wanted to meet before I mm-hmm. travel. Eventually, I didn't meet all of them. But I met some of them. Like, see, my visa just came through. We have to see because I have traveled in Susan so date. So, like, if... Saturdays, like three to four weeks before I traveled, I was meeting my friends almost every Saturday of it. Those I've not seen for a long time. Mm-hmm. Because I thought, I'm not going to see this person in a long time again. The least I could do is meet you with thought, them. Yeah. And that's because these people matter to me. Yeah, and I don't see the world where I'm going to pack my bag and travel and without them. And just travel them. without them. Like, it's as if you, you didn't even see them as your friend. Because I see a I can't even trust them. Yeah. Because I have friends, I, I think my friends, if I tell them I'm traveling, don't tell anybody. I mean, come on, I, I don't assume they're going to tell anyone. They won't tell anyone. Exactly. Because I trust them. Exactly. Yeah. And if I have friends, I'm thinking they can do things to jeopardize, jeopardize what I'm working on, mm-hmm. they can't be my friends. I, I agree with you. See, I, I hope I heard that we went on a rant about, <laughs> about Nigeria, but it's actually quite interesting to really see that people really believed that mm-hmm. people can jinx your plan just because you shared it with them. What about that, by the way? <laughs> so, um, what was I even going to say? No, I know you said you forgot most of the things that happened when you got here. Yeah. But... I just try to. What can you exactly remember about your first impression of Germany when you got in? Mm. And how did you feel so different for from what you are used to back? Well, at home? my first impression was the fact that this um, togetherness you have in Nigeria, mm-hmm. where neighbors know each other and everyone is living peacefully and harmony, it doesn't exist here at all. It doesn't and. I'm used to that, and that's how I live now. Because I have friends in Germany, and when they move to Germany, they'll be like, oh, and they have been trying to make friends with Germans, but it's not working. And I'm like, get used to it. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... You have to get used to it. Get used to it. That's how it is. There is no togetherness. Um, also, the language, it was... Yeah, I wouldn't say the language was hard for me to learn, but the process of learning a new language and... Yeah, it was, I don't know, it was a little bit stressful. 
and also the fact that I didn't have friends for the first few months. Yeah, there was no way though, to practice. Even though I pride myself around the fact that, oh, I love being alone. But sometimes you just need to hang out with your friend. Even if it's once a month. Yeah. I didn't have that for the first few months that I was here. I didn't really have that. And it kind of bothered me then. But I don't know. I think I just got used to that feeling. And yeah, you just mentioned something about not having someone to practice the language with. That's true. I don't know how I was able to overcome that because they were telling me that I need to practice with someone. Who am I supposed to practice with? My siblings? Or because, I mean, we don't speak German at home. Who speaks German in their home if you're not we German? Don't. Um, my siblings are very good with the language now. Yeah. So I guess that kind of worked out. For them, because they were going to school, True. so they, they, have, they didn't have a choice. So for me, I don't even know how that worked out for me. I don't know, like, I don't know how that worked out for me in the end. But I'm so glad it did because I was afraid at some point because I wasn't practicing, you know, the language. But yeah, interesting. I mean, you're doing a program that is taught in German language, and you're succeeding. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the evidence that you need. Yeah. When you're yeah, looking for exactly. people that you can speak yeah. your language. For me, too, I'm also trying to... I went back to learn again. And I told you I was yeah. going to start. And I still haven't found people I can practice with in quotes. I mean, I actually don't feel very confident. That's even a big problem. I don't feel confident about the little that I know. Mm-hmm. So I don't even want anybody to hear me. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to... You just have to, like, practice... Not, like, practice the language, but... You just have to use the language. True. That's how you learn. Or you have to talk. <laughs> well, when I meet strangers in the in the shopping malls, yeah. I talk. But just no matter so, how <laughs> bad you think your language, just talk. Like I think I'll start practicing more with you, maybe. Yeah. But of course, you know, we text more than we speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and for me, I also think my written German is better than my spoken German because yeah. I've learned mostly by myself. Mm-hmm. I learned. From Gota Institute back in Nigeria. My A1 was at home. So we had classes like once in two weeks. Mm-hmm. So you learn this from this from this chapter to this chapter within that two weeks. You discuss mm-hmm. it in class in about 14 minutes. So mostly I was practicing yeah. my own. Except when I had physical interaction was when I did my A2. Mm-hmm. At that point I had a private tutor, but they were it wasn't just me, we were about six, seven or eight of us. So we come together. That was the only time I had practice. After the A2, I went back to B1. I went to mm-hmm. B1. I practice over myself too. Yeah, something I did outside of the you need to practice. What I also did back then was watching YouTubers that speak in German. I did that a lot. How like, did I help you? Hearing them speak, like you pick up on some words. And also watching movies in German, mm-hmm. reading books in German, that one. I actually have a friend that is learning German. And because I'm traveling to Berlin soon... I already plan to like give her two books in German because mm-hmm. I feel like reading kind of also helps. Yeah, for me too because I know reading helps my helps my English and of course the TV. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even deny that. I was that child. I was only in front of the TV and I was reading yeah. lots of literature, and I also thought I want to buy German literature to mm-hmm. read, but I've actually not made up my mind about. Like, I think I want to do I'm going that. to give you an example now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was on TikTok. I came across this girl. She was on a live video. She was speaking German. And I was able to pick up something she said. 
in that video and it has stuck in my head yeah it, that's how language works to be honest yeah so i think actually one thing that really really helped me was watching YouTube people videos speak german like yeah i think i would have to consider that and I'll eventually i know i've seen i want to buy german books i'll eventually buy them because it's not just about planning so let's talk about more about your friends back in nigeria so now you've left them did you ever maintain a sort of relationship with them? At what point did the relationship dynamic change? Honestly, I think the relation, the relation, the friendship dynamic changed because I mean I turned sixteen when I came here. I turned sixteen in October two fifteen, mm-hmm. and then November to two fifteen I came here. I came here yeah. But also before then, I was already kind of like changing my mindset towards yeah. things and. When I came here, I realized that I can no longer be friends with them. It's not because I don't like them. It's just like the mindset is so different. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they are in Nigeria. It's just the way things work that at some point you outgrow some friendships. And to be honest, I really, really tried to keep up with the friendships. But we were just on different page about things. We saw things differently. So I just thought to myself that... Well, I think I, I don't think it's bad to let the friendships go, but I still maintain like three solid friendships, um, with three friends in Nigeria, three of them. But the other ones, I just had they to had let to them. Apart. Yeah, yeah, they had to fall apart because I couldn't deal. I mean, to be honest, it happens with every friendship. Yeah. I know one thing is also when people talk about a great friendship, people always make it look as if it means that you've, you've got better than your friends. No, no. But no, really, no, it no. doesn't mean that you got better. It's just the fact that maybe the mindset has changed. Yeah. The Sometimes mindset. it can also be the distance. There are some friendships that cannot survive distance. Mm-hmm. Even with the three friends, these three friends I'm trying to maintain, Yeah. it's very, very hard to keep up communication because we are not here. Yeah, like true. I cannot easily meet them, so it's like I can easily forget them if I'm not trying to put in the effort to reach out to them and you know talk to them. Yeah, you know, for me, one of the reasons I've not changed my I think that was the first one of the first questions you asked me when we exchanged contacts and I gave you a Nigerian number. Mm-hmm. I remember you asked me why I still have my Nigerian number. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a very intentional thing because I kind of want to have, I didn't want that change. Mm-hmm between my friends because once I change my number I'm going to lose a lot of contacts there are a lot of people on my phone I see their whatsapp status I still hit them up sometimes if I change my number, I know I've even texted them mm-hmm. not because they are my enemies but just because we are never that close yeah. but now that I still see them we kind of still maintain that friendship mm-hmm. sort of at least I still bump into them to mm-hmm. say hi still put us on their birthday say wish them happy birthday and stuff like that there's sort of a relationship yeah. And then for me and my close friends, there was no need for me to even change any number. Yeah. And I intentionally call my friends as often as possible, just mm-hmm. because I'm also thinking, yes, we are not here, but I have to be intentional about calling. Yeah. Calling, sending voice notes, anything I know that can actually kind of bridge the gap. Yeah. And it's not the easiest because, of course... It's not very... Like, I struggle so much with it. Like, if... um. I struggle so much with keeping up with friendships in general because you you actually have to put in work. It's inter- you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. Yeah. yeah. This keeping up with communication. Sometimes I just forget to like hit off someone. I don't know. And I feel I feel so bad when I need something and then I realize that ha I haven't hit them up in a while. Okay. See, 
okay, for me, when it happens, well, if you need someone, piss them off, even if it works. <laughs> That's my policy. And if they're going to come through for you, they'll come through yeah. for you. Because if someone is not going to come through because you not hit them up, maybe they're not the nice people you think they mm-hmm. are. So, now talking about ad- when you came here, imagine there's a lot of pressure to adapt. I mean, from what you've said so mm-hmm. far, it must have been a lot of pressure trying to adapt. And how much of that pressure did you, be that you're the oldest from your, with the, among your siblings that came here, mm-hmm. do you also feel that pressure to help your pre- siblings adapt? And how did you deal with the pressure yourself? No, actually, it's very interesting because I think since I came here, I like I don't think I didn't even try to adapt like with the whole culture here because I was I don't know like I never felt that pressure I know some people talk about feeling that pressure but I never did mm-hmm. I just wanted to make my own part my own path for myself for my siblings no I didn't have to I don't know I think they figured their own thing out because I just felt like they were young back when we came but now they are a little bit older, and I've just realized that, well, I never really had to talk to them about anything. They kind of figured it out on their own, and I'm so glad they did. And I myself had to figure it out for myself. I mean, when I came here, I didn't really have friends, do you guess? So I didn't feel that pressure. When I talk to people who grew up here, I think what I've realized is if they, if they have friends, like German friends... That's usually when they feel that pressure yeah, to like fit yes. in. But I never felt that pressure. What because I, you, you didn't have anybody you're trying to measure up to exactly or prove yourself or to. Prove myself yeah. to. And it's not like I didn't have the opportunity to have those friends. I'm just very bad at talking to people, like making friends, something. I'm still trying to figure this part out yeah. today. So maybe I might meet them back then. I will just talk and... I will never talk to them again. So when I was doing my A-levels, of course, I made friends with some people, but I'm not friends with them anymore today. Because also, okay, why, why do you think that happened? I don't know. I just, I don't think I'll ever fit in with them. That's okay. the thing. I will never, ever, ever fit in with them. And it's very hard to find someone that, you know, they understand your struggle as a black person and you won't feel the need to, to tone down, to tone down the way you talk about these um, social issues that involve um, racism and things like that, but because in my mind I'm always like, um, it's not like I'm judging all of them, but it's just very hard to find that person that understands. It's also why, um, I mean, I wouldn't say I have some of them as friends. I mean, we talk, but it's not really. You just can't connect with them. I cannot connect with them. Level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I totally understand it too because, again, I'm not. Lived, I don't think I've exactly become victim of um, racism. I mm-hmm. wouldn't say so, but sometimes just when you're talking and this is something you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it just it just clicks for you that someone I met today said I should teach them. Someone I met today offered to teach me Nigeria. Sorry, offered to teach me German. So mm-hmm. I'll teach them Nigerian. <laughs> Nigerian being the Nigerian. language, and I'm there like. God, where do I start? Because mm-hmm. it's like, first of all, I have to start teaching you what Nigerian... Now, Nigerians mm-hmm. don't speak Nigerian in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you meet people, you know more about Germany and Europe 
-hmm. And they don't even know anything about, about Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. the friendship and becomes them asking you a lot mm -hmm. about Nigeria. Sorry, I don't want to talk about Nigeria. Yeah, I'm so exactly. sorry, I don't and, want to. And the fact that when I came here was also when I got, I started researching about racism. Oh my! <laughs> so, I think I think I got <laughs> got radical. <laughs> oh my god! I was just you know from then I started looking at them differently. Like hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah. So I never really because when I go on Twitter, I see people talk about oh when they were going up, they felt the pressure to fit in. I never felt that, and I still don't. I I still don't feel the need to be friends with them because. I've just realized that it's very, very hard to connect with them because you have to realize that... They don't understand the experience. And I don't understand theirs yes, as yeah. well. So it's, it doesn't... You know, when my friends tell me, oh, they find it hard to make friends with, I'm just like, get used to it. Like, look for other Nigerians. Build a community that... Build a community... Feels familiar at yeah, least yeah, yeah. to yeah. Like, I'm going to tell you about this um I met this black girl at my uni recently mm -hmm. and she told me that... Um, they were in a mass course and the students, she's a first year, she's in her first semester, she, she just started studying. So she told me that they were making um, learning groups and they left her out. Like, they were all new students. Yeah. They didn't know each other. But nobody other. approached her. But nobody approached her. Oh, goodness. And also nobody wants to sit beside her during lectures. And I was talking about it with her and I told her that, see... This is something I've experienced, but I didn't take it to heart because I'm just like, well, whatever. I don't want to sit beside them soon. <laughs> like, I'm someone that I feel like coming here and figuring things out on my own. It's just like, oh, I'm on my own most times. It doesn't matter who is around me. Like, I need to figure this thing out. Oh, so when she was telling me that, I told her that, hey, focus on your studies. Learn. Like, ignore these people. Don't. Don't give them any, um, don't think too much about Don't them. think, I told her that if she needs help, that she should reach out reach to out me, to but like, don't think too much about don't these things, because if you start thinking about it, <laughs> it's going to affect you mentally. Now that you've been mentioning, there's one of the um, tasks I did in my in last semester, the two people I had in my group, they were three people, they were just badly behaved. And at some point I'm wondering, is it because they're all girls and I'm the only guy? And at some point I was there thinking, is it because I'm African? Or is it a combination of all two? And I'm going to say this because it's, a combination it's the first of time two. I was in a group and I'm saying something to a group and I never happened in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I'm a member of a group and I say something, nobody's listening. So I say something, it's like they come armed to the teeth with reasons it cannot work. I was like... <laughs> At first, I thought maybe I was reading too much, mm -hmm. but like anytime I say something, it like they always have an a reason why. I feel like it's you always just know. Me. You always know, like it, it's like it's in your face that they are treating you this way. But you know the thing is because like it was shocking to me. But you so. cannot even call it out because it's very subtle. It, because exactly because it's like okay, said so, okay, so I'm like Victor, have you thought about you know very politely? So Victor, I'm thinking that. It's a good thing you said, but I'm just thinking that this may not work because... So nobody said anything. Mm -hmm. But just like... I've said we are in a meeting, we've spent two hours, everything I said. And usually for me, whatever I feel that people, I'm not accepted, I just forget. I don't... Whatever is happening in that group is not my business. Mm -hmm. So what I did in that course was just... Okay, there's a meeting, oh, that's fine. I'll just come and join. <laughs> 
what do you have? Victor, do this. Okay, that's, is that what you, what, you want me to do this? Fine, I'm going to do it. Because I wasn't, uh, and for me, it felt, I didn't learn anything from the course. The course itself was not some, it's not like, it's generally one of, it's a design course. Mm -hmm. I'm very bad at design. So I already knew the course was going to be hard for me. Yeah. And then having people that made it, working with them hard, I was like, uh, but again, I'm thinking, what is the problem? You just said something now, yeah. and you made me remember a paper I wrote last semester. So I, 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 um, I have a friend in my course, right? Mm -hmm. Somehow, we ended up in this same course where we have to write papers about a particular topic in computer science. And somehow, we ended up with the same um, supervisors. Mm -hmm. And um, on the day of the presentation, because after writing papers, you have to present what you found out from your research. My friend who is Turkish, she was telling me that, oh, our supervisor is very nice. Oh, that she likes her. And in my head, I'm like, wait. <laughs> I have the supervisor. <laughs> I have the same supervisor. And she didn't treat me that the way she corrected me. I swear, I think I'm very resilient when it comes to like things like this. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very resilient. But I swear that it made me almost cry that day. And the professor, I think, is very racist. I it made me yeah. almost the way. It's not like she was calling me the N word, but the way she was, the way she was giving me correct correction. Because this paper, it was the second paper I've written. I know the first one. I know how you're supposed to give corrections, but it wasn't that way. It wasn't. Yeah, Even on the day of the presentation, she ignored me, but she was talking to my friend in my face. Ah. Yeah, I have a friend, a, a, a lecturer too from my program, I think is racist. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, 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 I mean, Michelle, you know Michelle and Ken, you mm -hmm. just have a problem with the professor, so it's definitely not just me. And another Ghanaian colleague has mm -hmm. a problem with her. Again, it's not just me. Yeah. But... I don't think, I don't know if they will use the word racist to describe her, but I just know that the way she talks, when she talks to people who are not white, the tone changes. And then it's not like that, like you said, it's very subtle. You can't even call them out. It's very subtle. You so you're not sure. Yeah, you're not sure. Because actually, the woman is kind of rude to everybody. <laughs> yeah. But just that, the, the, the tone changes you a little bit. The, this little thing the, that they do. The little facial expression is yeah. quite different. And you're like, um... <laughs> What, at what point do I say something? You got to know. And, I, and I, when, I, when the results came out for the course, only Michelle had a good grade. I mean, good by every. I mean, we didn't fail it, but mm -hmm. only Michelle had a good grade. That one. And in this course, Michelle and Kenny worked on the same task as group members. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, you know, sometimes I'm grateful that I'm studying computer science. So most of our exams. You cannot grade people based on what, like, there's only one right answer to your question. Yeah. So you cannot just fail someone. So sometimes, because I, my best friend, we have talked about this, and because she's also studying so computer science and business. So we have talked about this, that imagine if we are studying other courses, because I've had stories, people from humanities and arts, I've had stories of, you know, professors just failing them. For no reason, it's not like they are not better than their white counterparts. They are even better than them. You see, you do project, you see someone that messed up, getting a better grade than you. 
I've heard stories, Victor. Like, see, I understand this. My friend in the US was mentioning. I see it's crazy. Like a course he did, and he saw the result. It wasn't much. And when he saw what other people did in that course, <laughs> <Why is> that? <laughs> and they were talking. Do you know my person? My supervisor for my thesis. Mm-hmm. Do you know one reason I chose her? Because I think she grades us more respectfully than other grade other professors. This thing That's you just mentioned now. You know I'm going to no, write. Be, sorry to cut you short. Not because I think for the for the. Topic I'm researching. There's mm-hmm. another professor I think is more grounded in the course. That would have been the ideal person. Mm-hmm. But from seeing how these people interact with me, mm-hmm. interact during the class, interact mm-hmm. during maybe little conversation outside of the class, and their grading, I'm like, first of all, as much as I, I believe I'm smart, also have an idea of what I want my result to look like. If I'm mm-hmm. going to achieve it, this woman would help me achieve it. Mm-hmm. And again, she's very good in research. Yeah. But then, her expertise is not really the topic I'm working on. But even though I would rather work with her because I don't want anybody to mess my results up. Victor, this thing you just mentioned is something... Because I'm going to write my thesis next year. Okay. And I'm already making a list of professors I like that I think will grade me fairly. Even though I've, to be honest, I've had pleasant experiences with my professors. Even though I talked about this supervisor, she's a yeah. supervisor. And you know the interesting thing? She's not white, but she's not black. She's okay. a person of color. But yeah. the professor was very pleasant to me that day. That I was just very surprised. He was very pleasant to me that day. And he's white. I'm even thinking of writing my bachelor thesis there because he's very, very warm. He was very, very warm to me that day. But in my mind, I'm like, what if I'm assigned this same supervisor again? <laughs> I mean, I think, thankfully, I can choose my supervisor. Now that you mentioned it also, I think... It's also something person, I, I, I have to consider because I'm like, oh, well, if you end up with someone that doesn't like you because you're black, they will mess up your grade. And, and you cannot say anything. These biases, I don't think it's... You know, sometimes I won't talk about these biases. It seems as if it's something people do consciously. They don't do it consciously. That's a thing. They don't, actually. It's not conscious. It's not conscious because I was telling... Because I was not trying to sound like I was dismissive to the other black girl who told me that, oh, they don't sit beside her. I told her that some of these things... I see it from a cultural and racist perspective because you have to um, take into account that these people, they are white and they will always be white. They will always be white and they will gravitate to people that, that are white. The same Just to them. the same way. And you say a black person you gravitate towards them. It doesn't mean I'm trying to be exactly. I still think it's racist, but... True, exactly. Like, that's a thing. And, like, the professor I told them working with my mm-hmm. supervisor uh, as for my thesis... Janice Summer once asked me and Michelle if we needed assistance with a laptop. That if that's if, I can't remember what we're doing, but she felt I don't know why she just concluded that maybe I think we were, we were late on delivering our task. I can't remember what the reason was. But me and Michelle worked on the same, but she asked us if the problem was because we don't have a device. And I'm like, from where to where? For <laughs> so this is 2022, mm-hmm. you can almost do anything with your phone. Yeah. You can do almost anything with there the are internet cafes as well. So it's like, why was that the first thing she thought about? Mm-hmm. But again, as I also told you, I think in terms of how she treats us, in mm-hmm. terms of my interaction with people, with her, I feel the most warm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's a very 
I don't think asking if we had a system was racist, but also know that it's that fact yeah. that we think Africans have to be poor. Exactly. Maybe you don't have these vices to yeah. be able to. Yeah. Like, so I think it's. This is also why I can't stand being friends with them because we'll be getting silly. some very passive mm-hmm. things said again because I think it's not said from a place of hate. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's actually said from because they are very. Con- um, will I say curious? Mm-hmm. They're asking. But I don't want to talk about Nigeria. Yeah. <laughs> I can't meet you and 30 minutes into our conversation, I've been talking about Nigeria. And it's not that like we're talking about jollof fries, yeah. we're talking about music, we're just talking about the diff- Please, if you want to learn about Nigeria, there's Wikipedia. Almost everything you need to know is it's on Wikipedia. There. Just the front, first page, you know everything. So I'm like talking to you about it. I'm not a history teacher mm-hmm. for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, actually from this conversation, I've actually realized I know more about Nigeria than I thought I did. So I'm thinking, like, Victor, why did you learn this? I've always known this before. I'm like, no, please, 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 please. It just me, focus what about. Just we've been nagging, we've been ranting. <laughs> but it's not a bad thing, yeah. too. But I think it's part of the conversation. Now that you're talking about, you mentioned that you became radicalized when you got here. And also mentioned that you realized that you were no longer in the same... Um, you don't share the same mindset with your friends. Is there anything particularly that prompted it? Or was it just something that maybe it has always been, you've always had all these mindsets, it has just always like you came been there. and you felt you had you Yeah, had it has way. always been there. It's just that growing up in Nigeria, you cannot ask questions. You cannot. You cannot. Like, everything is swept under the rug. True. You cannot... I, I, when I was in Nigeria, I, I don't think I was in a place where I could just ask anyone questions. And we could talk about things. It's always just... Everyone just tries to be cool, like, why are you trying to... Why do you want to know too much? Why do you want to know too much? Yeah. So when I came here, I had a lot of time because I was just learning German for the first two years. So I was just like, you know, just researching these topics. So many things started making sense to me. Religion, feminism, racism, just social issues in general. Yeah. And I'm someone that, like, I also want my friends... Like, I want all of us to be on the same wavelength when it comes to these topics. So with them, it wasn't that way, especially when it came to religion, because Nigerians don't like it when you're an atheist. A lot of people are not open to that. So I think that was, like, something that... You're not allowed to question religion. You're not allowed to question religion, which is kind of crazy to me. Like, questioning religion doesn't mean that you would be irreligious after the questioning. It's just a normal thing to do, to question your beliefs. So... I think the atheism part was kind of like too much for them. Not just them, like I've I still meet people that this once they know I'm talking about Nigerians, once, mm-hmm. once they know that I'm an atheist, it's like oh it's too much for them. Yeah. They can't handle it. But every other thing is okay, but you see this atheism on <laughs> This is where we draw the line. <laughs> like I think that's where most Nigerians draw the no, line. No, sexuality. sexuality. Oh yeah, sexuality too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for mentioning this because I feel like what actually made me fall out with a lot of them was because they were homophobic. And I don't I don't want to open my WhatsApp and check your status and you are making a joke about gay people. I don't like saying these things. So it's like me protecting my space as well. Like yes. I don't want to be seeing homophobic jokes on your status, for example. Why? Like you just see someone making out of nowhere, they'll you just can't. Out of nowhere, no context, they will just make it. And to be honest, and when I call them out, they will start saying they don't see it. They don't see it. 
I don't like, and it's like you are you are hitting a wall. They don't see. So it's best to just not be friends with them again because it's like we cannot agree on these things. So if we cannot agree on it, we can't be friends. Even now, I still do the same thing. Like if I found out you are homophobic, I cannot be friends with you. It's just what it is. Like. I can't handle that kind of hate. I totally understand. I mean, for me, too, growing up, I had a lot of questions, especially with religion. You hear some mm-hmm. certain stories in the Bible and you're like, but this doesn't add up. <laughs> and I ask the questions, and nobody seems to want to no, answer. Yeah. Everything they do is try to run around, everything to everything yeah. but answer the question. <laughs> and like yourself, for me, I also didn't feel, see a lot of people who shared the same sentiment as I did. Even, and yeah. I think on social media happened. Yeah, social media, social yeah, media yeah, yeah. Well, was where I began to find that I wasn't the only one asking these questions. I wasn't the only one that yeah. questioned things, and I think I began to make friends with people that I think share the same views as myself. It's very important. It's not. It's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. Have a friend, and you always arguing with them. Thank you. Like when I tell people that I can't stand arguing about this conversation because I think i'm someone that if i'm getting to know you i want to know what you think about this topic because i don't want to be surprised one day true i do ask the questions too i don't want to be surprised like when i'm talking to people i want to know what do you think about the lgbtq what do you think about racism what do you think about (laughs) gender issues yeah gender issues because like you i wouldn't want i I don't i wouldn't want to be talking to somebody and they call a woman a bitch in my presence i would want to fight them exactly Um, it's like protecting your space like let me be my bubble i know most nigerians don't like this things, but i want my bubble can i have those people that share the same sentiment yeah this is exactly like this is how i live and there's this person i just want to live in my bubble this person i met recently and we exchanged contact this person posts something like considered homophobic. But like you said, talking about it is like hitting a wall because where do you start from? And generally, I've said I'm not going to teach anybody anything. Mm-hmm. I can't burn that energy. You have to learn it yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to learn because for me, again, it's not it's not so much about... Let's forget. I know your Bible says it's wrong to be gay, to be lesbian, to be transgender. It's fine. I agree. Your Bible says it. But your Bible didn't say disrespect these people. Which is just a basic thing. Yeah. Okay, hold on to your Bible that says this is wrong, mm-hmm. but can you call these people some human decency? And then this person keeps on ranting about queer people. And I was like, and he always complained about meeting them. I'm always like, why are you meeting a lot of gay people? I didn't ask him, but I was wondering, you wouldn't believe that this person works in, I think, about a club that is LGBT plus. Like, it's a gay bar club, I can't remember. Wow. And I'm like, Hold on a minute. So you wake up every morning, you dress up, or maybe in the evening, I don't know what your shift looks mm-hmm. like. You go, you are tending to customers who are lesbian women, who are gay people, who are transgender mm-hmm. people, in a place that is supposed to be for them. Not part of your brain thoughts. Because some, there's actually a day this person posted some conversation he had with some colleagues and, and was talking about how this person was a nice person. So basically, you're meeting nice people mm-hmm. who are very human like you. But a non part of your brain thoughts, maybe I should question my homophobia. So it's meeting people, it talks about some yeah. people in it, but then sprinkles some homophobic thoughts in it. I'm always like, like tree doesn't make sense. I mean too annoyed because I've, I've worked, I've, I mean, yeah. I've done customer facing jobs and I know if I hit a customer, I don't want to attend to yeah. them. So how can you hate the people but you attend to them every day? Are you not losing your mind? Okay, quit the job now. I actually wanted to tell you, but I'm like, First of all, I don't know this. I don't even know. Him. I don't. I met him on social media, so I don't even know his first, his last name. I don't know if the name I knew him as is even the first name. 
So I have like start teaching you. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just teaching people took myself away from it. Teaching people is like teaching Nigerians. It's exhausting. It is exhausting because you'll be saying A, they'll be saying B, especially like on these gay issues because it's something that. I'm kind of a little bit passionate about. I might not show it on my social media, but like yeah. in real life, I am actually. And um, I think what pisses me off about theists is the fact that they will always come for gay people. Like whenever I go on Twitter, there is something like every week there is one. There's a tweet. <laughs> it's always something. Always about gay people, like the fixation, the obsession. But then these same people, they fornicate, they make jokes about sex. On this same Twitter we are on, but they draw the line, See, when, they draw the line when it comes to... They can actually forgive an atheist, but just do They not. used to come for us, but I think I know, they have shifted. They can forgive if it, yeah. atheists, but they would not. Once, yeah. you're, once you're not straight, once you're there's, not a, straight. there's a yeah, line. There's a line, yeah. yeah a fucking right. clear line. Like, that line is always yeah. very clear. So before, I think we have to conclude. Yeah. So talk me about how you realize that you, ha- you have, you become radicalized. Now, let's talk about your parents, your mom's parents, because yeah. I know the mother's always the one that at least <laughs> dictated on time and, have, and reacts more to it. So how have you been able to navigate having a parents that maybe still hold, hold some of those um, well, for my, views that you question. For my parents, my mom particularly, she's the one that is religious. To be honest, I think for my parents, it wasn't surprising because like I said, You've always asked questions. I've always asked questions. I've always been the one that's like, maybe you tell me to do something and I'll be like, oh, why should I do this? So I've always been someone that is questioning. And when I when they realized that, oh, I'm an 80s, it didn't really come as a surprise to them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they care that much, to be fair. Of course, they would want me to Just be a to Christian, but, like, they cannot do anything. And I don't think it's because they are here. I think even if we were in Nigeria, they wouldn't still care. Because I've heard from other Nigerian ages, like, the, the fact that they have to hide it from their parents. And I think it's really sad that they have to hide that part of themselves. But, I don't know, my parents... They don't really care that much. I think their own perspective is that I'm an adult now and you they can't can take care of yourself. Yeah. I think that makes sense. About your and you, sense rather, about your siblings. Have you ever had any conversation about no. to explore their views on certain things? No, not really. But I know my sister is a little bit like me. Okay. Which is interesting because my mom she thinks I'm the one telling her things to do. <laughs> but I'm not because I'm really at home. Yeah. So I think maybe my sister, but my brother, no. Like, I don't really have these conversations with them because I'm always like, they'll figure things out. They'll grow, they'll figure things out just the way I did. For me also, I think, because I think all my siblings know that I'm very vocal about gender issues, mm-hmm. LGBTQ issues, and all of that. But again, they are mostly older than I am. Mm-hmm. I only have two younger sisters. And also the thing is, I've never had these conversations with them, but one of the things that is reassuring to me is that I knew we were raised by the same parents. Mm-hmm. My parents fundamentally are kind people. They are yeah. nice people. So I also know that my, my siblings would not intentionally do anything that would hurt someone. Mm-hmm. I'm very convinced about that. Mm-hmm. Also from my conversation with my siblings, I also know that they're very, they, at, at least, maybe not necessarily advocates, but I know... I've not heard them speak about women, my brothers especially, in a way that is disrespectful, mm-hmm. thankfully. 
So I think maybe that's I mean that's why I never really like had that conversation. But also yeah. but I know that they know for a fact because I'm always like nobody should say this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When people do it on TV, I'm always like, no, this is improper. Mm-hmm. I complain about it all the time when I see any kind of so I think they mm-hmm. know. But I never thought I've sat down to with them to like try to evaluate yeah. their points of views about some of the things. But I respect the fact that if I don't think I'm I treat people better because I'm a better person because someone taught me that, yeah. which is basically my parents. I don't think I, I never witnessed my parents disrespect people just mm-hmm. because of who they are. They both disrespect. So I think my siblings are kind of good in mm-hmm. that aspect. But I think we have to conclude, and it's also important. I think you're fortunate also to have parents that give you that room. Yeah, to I explore think. The life yeah, I think. Want. I think Nigerian parents should do that. Like, let your kids be their own people. Do you have gone? <laughs> How do you intend to enforce it? <laughs> um, because I mean, I've had stories of like Nigerian parents just not letting their adult kids just be themselves. It's very important that. Once your kid is maybe 18 or they are an adult age. or they can think, just let them be because, you know, most of the time, you you actually know what's best for you. I know people say your parents know. No, no I actually true. believe that you know what's best for you. Even though you make mistakes along the way, it's normal. It's part, it's, of, it's life. part of life. You I make mistakes. I don't know about parents knowing what's best for you. My parents don't know what's best for you. <laughs> No, the truth is they want what's best for me, yeah. but they don't know what's best for me. Yeah, yeah, true. Like, I mean, I was telling someone the other day, they were advising me or something. They are much older. And I told that person that, look, what you're saying is right, but I'm going to do it my own way. And I'm if I make out. a mistake, <laughs> if I make a mistake, yeah. I'll still try to do it in another way. But I'm not going to listen to you just because you are older and you have more experience in than me in, in this, this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I told that person. And <laughs> please tell me they got angry. <laughs> they didn't get angry. Okay. They actually took it lightly, okay. and I'm so glad they took it lightly because yeah. I just wanted to let them know that hey, stop telling me to do this because you're older. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's quickly conclude. Yeah. Now, based on your experiences living in Nigeria as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if anything else are listening to my podcast, but I'm hoping that let's say if a parent who is trying to move their teenage children, what do you think they should have in mind? I mean, what do you think that teenager should also have in mind that would help them maybe adapt easily or get you to their new environment? Wow. I haven't thought about this. Okay. To be honest, I haven't thought about it. Mm, well, honestly, this is a hard one. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to have an answer. This is a hard one, to be honest, because it's something I haven't thought about. But I think what helped me was um, researching a bit about Germany. And for the parents, I would say be there emotionally for your kids. Like, it's very, very important important. in that first few months because it's like... It's all new to them. They have no friends. Um, Be there for them. Yeah, like, everything doesn't have to be about schooling or getting into or making money. Like, the emotional aspect is very, very important. important. Yeah, I think that's actually the only advice I have. Because moving to a new country, it does a lot on your mental health. You don't have your friends. You don't have, like, um, that togetherness that you used to have back in Nigeria. So I think... I think one thing they should do is just to be there for their kids emotionally. Yeah. 
it's a good thing you mentioned. Yeah. Do you know when I moved to Australia newly? Just, I just knew I don't need to cry. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. But I just knew that because I sat down and was like, what's the problem? I just knew that there was like, it was like pent up emotion mm -hmm. that I cannot explain because it's overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. And I imagine for a teenager who is again in a very delicate situation where they are trying to find themselves, it's going to be very useful to have parents yeah. who are really there to support you. Yeah. I think that really brings us to the concluding part, the end of this podcast, mm -hmm. even though we ended up ranting. But it's one of those yeah. things. Again, this rant is part of the things we've experienced in yeah. this week, so I think it all adds mm -hmm. up. So thank you very much for joining no me, Manuela. Hopefully we should do something that, like this in the future. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk more here. about yeah. your experience and rant less. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for yeah, joining me. Yeah, no problem. All right, if you've gotten to this part, of course, that means you followed through. Thank you very much for listening. It's really nice knowing that you are always listening to my podcast. And do subscribe or follow on your most preferred podcast listening platforms. And tell, tell share with your friends. Tell everybody that you know that could be interested in the podcast. Do enjoy the rest of your week. Bye.